You're listening to Faith-Based Mental Health, a weekly podcast designed to bridge the gap between spirituality and psychology. Welcome to Faith-Based Mental Health. I am your host, Colt Wagner, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Ron. How are you, Dr. Ron? What's up? I am stuck at the intersection between grace and favor, and I'm loving every minute of it. That is the that is the best place to be. So amen to that. I'm excited to be here with you today and, and, and jump right into our part two on forgiveness. I know a lot of you loved that part one that we gave out, and, and now here we are to talk on the next part. Uh, and I believe we're going to talk about some steps to forgiveness. Is that right? So in a healthy circumstance, the first thing is an acknowledgement that forgiveness is something that's going to be worked on, you know, and generally the most healthy way is for the person seeking to for- forgiveness to initiate the conversation. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And so sometimes the, the offended has to say, I'm really hurt and offended by what you've done. And then that initiates the conversation. But however the conversation is initiated, there's steps. And if you're taking notes, this is the time to write <laughs> because these steps are really, really healthy and really helpful. And they work in conjunction with one another such that the first person takes one step and then the next person takes one step and then so on and so forth, back and forth until we reach complete forgiveness. So step one is to admit that what you did was wrong or hurtful. I did that to you and I admit that it was wrong. Step one for the person granting forgiveness is to allow the hurt and and pain and anger to be felt. Allow yourself to feel disrespected. You know, it's going to be hard to forgive someone if you never admit within yourself what it is you're forgiving them for. This is a step that most couples think that they can just brush over. And what happens is he asks for forgiveness. She says, I forgive you. And then three weeks later, she brings it up again. And he's like, I thought I said I was sorry. How many times do you want me to say I'm sorry? And the problem is they skipped all of the steps. They went straight to the end and they didn't engage in the process. You know, forgiveness work is a lot like grief work. You have to engage in the steps in order for it to work. Absolutely. Do you think sometimes people step over that whole allow yourself to feel hurt, disrespected, whatever the case may be? Do you think people jump over that and pass over that because they just want to avoid the confrontation? Like you say, you know, cold, I for, I, I, I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, it's, it's no big deal. What are you, what are you even talking about? Because I don't even want to address it. Is that, is that possibly a reason that people do that? Yeah. Fear of conflict. I, I don't want to get into a conflict with you. So I'm just going to say, yeah, it's fine. But in reality, it's not fine. Maybe I've lost sleep over it. Maybe I've had self-doubt. Maybe I've you know replayed the conversation a million times in my head, and it's not fine. But I never acknowledge that to myself or let alone you. What should I do uh, when you you know when someone does that? I, I, I seek that forgiveness and you know I apologize, and I know it's not fine, but they say it is. Is there anything I can do? Sure, sure, sure. Great question. Uh, step two for the person seeking forgiveness is to try to understand and empathize with the pain that you've caused. And so if the person granting forgiveness 
uh, glosses over step one, then the person seeking forgiveness begins to unpack what they assume the other person might be feeling by asking questions. You know, uh, I would imagine that you're feeling disrespected. I know you say it's fine, but if, if someone had done the same to me, I think I would feel this way. And I'm wondering if that's how you feel. Mm, dig a this, little deeper. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is where 90% of forgiveness work goes off the rails. They never take the time to truly acknowledge. They say, I'm sorry, but the other person can't forgive them because the other person's not 100% sure that the person seeking forgiveness really understands what, what they're done. asking. You know, it's like, I'm sorry you feel that way. What? <laughs> That's the that's the best. Everyone loves hearing that. Yeah, I'm sorry that you see it that way. Yeah, like what? You just turned this on me? No, no. So try to understand and, and empathize. And the this is the key, the most critical step, because the success of the person granting forgiveness is exclusively tied to the ability of the person seeking forgiveness to empathize and understand what it is that needs to be forgiven in the first place and the impact of what they did is on the other person. Absolutely. We, we both sides need to clearly understand what it is that, you know, one is seeking and one is potentially giving forgiveness for. Yeah. So then that leads to step two for granting forgiveness. So step one, admit what you did was wrong for the person seeking forgiveness. The person granting acknowledges the pain and anger. Step two, for the person seeking, try to understand and empathize. And then step two, for the person granting forgiveness is to be very specific about their future expectations and Mm. limits. You know, if you you know, forget to do the dishes and then say, I'm sorry. And then tomorrow forget to do the dishes and say, I'm sorry. (laughs) At some point, like, I'm not going to really hear you asking for forgiveness to do the dishes because I know you're not really sorry. Are you watching like what takes place in my house? Conversations (laughs) between my wife and I, like, what was that? And by the way, I'm the one, you know, not doing the dishes when it's my turn. But anyway, let's, let's move past that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, being specific, in, in let's take this example, uh, your wife could say, well, I would expect that if you say you're going to do it in the future, that you do it. Now, here's the deal. If, if the person granting forgiveness isn't specific about what their expectations are, then it really sets the other person up for failure again. And couples do this unconsciously all the time. Again, it's because they don't want to put in the time and the effort and the work to do the forgiveness work the the right way. And so then what happens is the person seeking forgiveness ends up failing test after test that they don't know they're taking. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, this is just something I'm coming to learn through my, you know, short marriage so far, going to get longer, fingers crossed. Um, But no, I'm kidding. But also through our conversations is that it's it's almost like any marriage is so much like anything else in life that if it, it takes work yes but put in the work on the front end and avoid the heartache and misery on the back end and that's just how it works try to skip that and you're going to get the misery on the back end of things yeah let me give you an example about clear expectations and boundaries 
just got done counseling an unnamed <laughs> and the circumstances of whom <laughs> have dramatically changed so that you won't ever be able to figure out who I'm talking about. But I had a couple where it was like <laughs> she kept pointing out thing after thing after thing that he did wrong. And I came to a point where I said, did you ever tell him that that's what you expect? And she said, of course. She looked at me like I was insane. She said, no. And I said, well, what what do you think would be the impact if if you told him now what your expectations about this were? And it was simple things, Colt. I'm telling you. I can't tell you how many times this conversation has come up about what side of the sidewalk you walk on. <laughs> but let me just take a, a quick pause. Men everywhere, you're taking a test you didn't know you were taking if you are walking on the wrong side of the sidewalk because you have no idea how many women I have been in counseling with who hold this thing against you and you don't even know it. And they haven't told you. And here's why they haven't told you. And, and this is coming full circle to expectations. They shouldn't have to. Mm. Uh, yes. Because if yeah. they tell you what they expect, then it takes the romance out of it. But it also takes the romance out to hold, you know, bitterness, hatred, anger, and unforgiveness. It's hard to feel a, romantic when I'm feeling all those things. Right. Toward a partner who is desperately trying to do the right things, he just doesn't know, or she just doesn't know what those right things are, you know, and it's like being set up. And so step two about granting forgiveness is extremely important. So after the person seeking forgiveness has tried to understand and empathize with the pain and the person granting has been specific about the expectations and limits, then the person seeking forgiveness needs to take responsibility for their actions and make restitution if necessary. Taking responsibility means I did this. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And you know what? I Let me go ahead and do the dishes right now. That's the restitution part. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Simple in that circumstance. A lot of circumstances where it's not so simple, the restitution part. But Well, even in the dishes one, I don't want to admit that it was my fault. I want to find a reason why I couldn't do the dishes, right? Making restitution, even in that simple explanation, is difficult. Like... Because mm, our my natural reaction is to be defensive. But if I really want forgiveness, I have to own it. I have to take that one in the chest and say, yes, I messed up. And here's what I'm going to do to make it right. And I think that also you, you, you said something that in my mind just takes me somewhere real quick that you said you get you want to get defensive. And that's why it's also so important how we navigate these conversations, because if I do anything, even, you know, no matter which party I am, if I do anything that could sound like an attack, I'm asking you to defend yourself. And so we always have to be smart about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But in, in this case, it's even harder because the person granting the forgiveness now sees the person seeking forgiveness in a vulnerable state. Right. Which maybe hasn't happened in a long time. So really, the knife is sitting in the hand of the person who could just choose to stab the other person emotionally because they've been hurt so many times, you know, uh, but then they'll have to live with their unforgiveness. So at the end of the day, you're stabbing the vulnerable person and you're maybe winning the battle, but losing the war. Yeah, that that analogy got dark quick. 
um, about stabbing, but but ex- exactly that that's what I was thinking, but not quite as dark. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's love. This is love. In case in case we've we, we've gone through First Corinthians thirteen, we're talking about what is love. You know, here's my definition of it: uh, opening up your chest, exposing your heart, and saying, "Here's the knife. If you'd like to stab it, go ahead." Wow. <laughs> it, it, it literally takes that level of vulnerability to mm. be able to love someone. And that's why the people who we love the most are able to hurt us more than anyone else, because it takes that level of vulnerability to be connected. Because if I want to touch someone's heart and I want my heart to be touched, then it has to be exposed. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, you know, there's most of the individual people in the world can't really hurt me, but it's because I don't really connect with them. I don't really know them. They don't really know me. I don't have that level of love um, for them. So yeah, absolutely. Open up that chest. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as an open heart uh, survivor, I had a, the surgery. I've got the zipper on my chest. Uh, when I tell that analogy, it has super meaningful impact. Um, absolutely. So whole different level for you. Whole different level. It, it got real up in here. Yeah. So taking responsibility for your actions and making restitution is the third for step for the person seeking forgiveness. For the person granting forgiveness, this is the key. This is what most people don't want to do. This is the knife again. All right. You got the knife in your hand and the emotional knife, not a literal knife. If you have a literal knife in your hand, put it down now, walk away. Yes. Uh, yes. Time out. <clears throat> you got the emotional knife and step three for the person granting forgiveness is Give up your right to get even, but insist on being treated better in the future. What do I mean by give up your right to get even? I know you're about to ask that question, right, Cole? Right, right, right. I mean that you are giving up your right to use the offense that's being forgiven as a weapon in future fights and conversations. Because if you bring that sucker out to win the next battle, it's evidence that you've been carrying that thing around. And ultimately, even if you strike a hit with that weapon in the next fight, you will have damaged yourself for carrying it around. And I think you'll probably have also damaged the likelihood that your partner or or friend or whatever the case is will seek forgiveness in this mature way because it's like, well, that didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard though. It's so hard, especially when you turn around. I've forgiven you for one offense and you've turned around and you hurt me for another offense. Maybe it's a similar offense, but it's a new offense. The first thing I want to do is pull all the offenses together, launch one nuke against you. You know, this is the emotional defensiveness we're talking about. And then we can go ahead and hop on the crazy cycle, but that's for another day. Uh, that's that's yeah that becomes part of the pattern the communicative p- pattern that brings the relationship to a close mm. so that's mm. that's step 3 and now step 4 for the person seeking forgiveness is to assure the partner that you won't do it again and when you say it you have to mean it and if because if you don't mean it or you go back on it you know whatever you say in step 4 i mean this has got to be like your wedding vows kind of stuff yeah. The question, would it be fair, you know, in step four, because, you know, we are creatures of habit, right? So we all develop our own habits. Sticking with this whole dishes thing, my wife and I got married with her having the habit of being a very clean person and me not. 
Um, you know that, but, and I, I like to think I wasn't a total slob, but who knows? Like maybe so. Um, that's changed a lot since we've been married five years, but I think it's probably fair for me to, instead of saying, Hey, this will never happen again to say, you know, Juliet, I will do like, I'm, I'm trying hard to not let this happen again. You know, I know my days to do the dishes are, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever the case is. Um, and I'm doing my best. You know, if it happens again, I, I invite you to remind me because I, I do need your help on this. Is that a fair uh, step four? That kind of sounds a little bit like Yoda. You know, <laughs> I will, hey, Juliet, I will try to do the dishes. And and what did Yoda say? The, there, there, <laughs> I, I can't even say it in the Yoda accent. There is no try. Yeah, yeah, do or do not do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so that's not really as helpful. That's not mm. an assur- That's not an assurance. That's a promise. Hey, I'm going to promise to try. I'm going to do better. I promise, babe. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I just mean because you know, like habits do take time to overcome, yep. and so it's you know, not everything's instant. So here's the here's something a step a step better than than that is. Um, developing a system and saying, here's what I've done to ensure that it won't happen again. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's a little different. That's a little different. Here's what I've done to ensure that it won't happen again. Uh, I've, I've put this note on the door because I know the last time I just took off and left the dishes in there. I put a note on the door that says, did you do the dishes yet? I set an alarm for on my phone 10 minutes prior to when I think I have to leave just to check to make sure the dishes are done. You know, it's more than just me saying, yeah, man, I'm sorry I did that. I won't do it again. It's here's what I've done, you know, to assure you that I won't do it again. Here are, and, and here's where you have to think systemically because family systems is a, a science. Yeah. I love that. Uh, in, in his book, and this wasn't planning on referencing this, but James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, said, and I'm not, it's not in front of me, but I think it went like this. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And so that's just, even within the context of forgiveness, an example of that. Everything, it rises and falls on systems. I think, I have never been diagnosed with ADHD, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if I didn't have systems, I would never get anything done. Yeah. You gotta have them, gotta have them. So here's the system that I've put in place to assure you that I won't do it again. Step four for the person granting forgiveness is really about the person granting forgiveness. And it's this, let go of blame, resentment, and negativity. And I think it's helpful to say those words out loud Mm. to yourself, to your partner. I'm choosing to let go of blame, resentment, and negativity toward you about this particular event. Corey Tamboon, I think, is the one who said, in response to someone mentioning an offense to her, don't you remember the terrible things that that person did against you? And her response was, actually, I distinctly remember choosing to forget. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have come across that quote, so I believe you're right. I've, I absolutely believe so. Is it Corey Tim Boone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right. At least that's it. what I, I found that on Google. Like, uh, you know, that came up in a sermon. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. All the fact checkers get out there and let us yeah. know. Is that, 
is that Corey Timboon or is that Abe Lincoln or is that Yoda? I don't right. know. <laughs> Somebody smarter than me said that. Um, yeah, choose to let go of blame, resentment, and negativity toward your partner. Step four for the person granting forgiveness. Mm, that's good. And I, I, I'm guessing, but I feel like I feel like a lot of times we just expect people to jump straight to that step, straight from "Hey, I'm sorry I did that," and not even again, not being specific or anything. Just you know, tell my wife, "Sorry I didn't do the dishes," and I just expect her to jump straight to four without doing the the front end work. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah. not going to yeah. happen. In fact, step five for the person seeking forgiveness is to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Let that, you know, let that sink in for a moment. Everything that we've talked about up to this point has only been setting the stage. Everyone wants to jump straight to asking forgiveness and apologizing, but they haven't done the legwork to demonstrate that they understand what they're apologizing for. They haven't done the legwork to ensure that it won't happen again. They haven't. And they just expect this cheap grace to flow. You know, this easy forgiveness. Well, here's the thing. You get what you pay for in a sense, in that regard. You might get a quick, yeah, 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 okay, it's no problem. Well, wait three weeks and do something dumb like this again and let's see how much of a problem it is. <laughs> it's still a problem, okay? Uh, so yeah, step five is to ask for forgiveness. And then step five for the person granting forgiveness is to communicate your act of forgiveness. The sixth step is super, super critical for so many psychological reasons that I don't even know if we have the time to get into. So I'll have to give you the quick overview of it. The sixth step in seeking forgiveness from someone is to forgive yourself. Let me give you the 30-second version. When you have made restitution, when you have assured your partner it won't happen again, when you have apologized and asked for forgiveness, if you don't forgive yourself, then you will initiate a cycle of self-shame, self-abuse, self-guilt that is permissive and tension building in nature that will assure, downright guarantee the event will happen again. This is a psychological part of addiction. People who are, whatever your drug of choice is, whether it's alcohol, pornography, heroin, cake, you know, the act of shaming oneself, self-flagellation, taking the place of the Holy Spirit in convicting, which by the way, we make terrible substitutes for the Holy Spirit. What happens is eventually a person begins to feel a sense of destructive entitlement that they have flatulated themselves enough that they are entitled to the very thing to which they are asking for forgiveness for. Wow. Yeah. I, I can imagine a lot of you've, – you've probably seen clients who – the way in which they need to, to work through their issues is that they need to forgive themselves for some things that the other people have already forgiven them for um, because they skipped out on step six. Christians are the worst at this. I have to mm. tell you, and, and I'm so sorry, but the very people f for whom forgiveness is fundamental to their foundation of their faith, uh, 
have the hardest time forgiving themselves. They they try to work out their salvation through their own efforts and right. they find they make terrible substitutes for the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. So, you know, if God is forgiving you, if your partner has forgiven you, then it's incumbent upon yourself to forgive yourself um, for multiple reasons. And then finally, the sixth step for the person granting forgiveness is to work toward reconciliation, you know, to ensure that, that all things are right uh, in the end. And I got to tell you, in my life, the model for this has been my wife, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. You know, in our early marriage, I said the craziest things. I did the craziest things. I was in such desperate need of forgiveness. And it is, you know, you want to say justified. It was just as if I had never done them in her eyes. When she chooses to forgive, she truly moves on in a way that you can tell. Um, The laugh lines in her eyes have grown much more beautifully than, than any other you know, not to say that she has wrinkles, but uh, I was going to say you might get in trouble for that comment. Although it was sweet, <laughs> it's just because because she lives a life that is free of unforgiveness, and it really shows. It really shows um, through her health, through her well being, through the way that people naturally gravitate toward her. Uh, so it's it's really a model. I, hopefully, we'll have a chance to have her on and talk about how that she's come to this place in her life where she is able to forgive so so well. Um, yeah. So yeah, work toward reconciliation uh, when safe, of course. Um, yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are the steps. And and we'll have to make that episode ha- happen with Rebecca because I know we'll all uh, be blessed by that. So, because I know what you're saying to be true based on my relationship with her as well. It's most definitely true. Well, great. Um, and I just, I just want to give a, a note to the listener uh, I have been taking notes this whole time. So, so this process, yes, there, there's specifics to it. Um, but that's part of the reason that we, we created this podcast in the first place is that we wanted to give you actionable advice. Ron and I, at any time that either of us has been, uh, preaching, we've both been the type who we never want to preach a sermon that doesn't have a, so what at the end where you know what you can do with what's just been given to you through God's word. In this case, through Ron's knowledge of counseling, as well as God's word. Uh, so you've got some very actionable, so what advice. I hope you, you wrote down those steps. If not, when you've got, if you're driving in your car, uh, at some point, go back and listen to this again, write down those six steps um, each part of them, cause, cause you're going to be blessed by this. And I know I'm going to be blessed by it as I seek to, to uh, not as I seek, like Yoda, Yoda would say, as I do it, uh, moving forward in my life. So great stuff, Dr. Ron. And, and last thing I'll end with, um, is just to say this, Dr. Ron, do you have any closing thoughts for our listener today? No, just a lot of gratitude about the amount in which I've been forgiven by, so many people in my life that I feel obligated to offer the same to others. All right. Thank you, Dr. Ron. And as always, listener, if, if you're hearing this and, and you know you've got some great information, some gold, some pearls, but you, you feel like you could use a bit more help, uh, 
check us out at serenitycarecounseling.com where you can be hooked up with a counselor or a life coach. We would love to be there for you. Also, if, if you've gotten something out of this episode, please suggest it to a friend um, and hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Thank you, Dr. Ron, and thank you, listener. We will see you next time. Later.